You're listening to Clever Entrepreneurship, Beyond the Boardroom, your source for practical, no-nonsense business advice from real business owners and professionals. I'm Laura Morris. And I'm Eva Maria Foltz. And we're two professionals tired of flowery bullshit being presented as business advice from people who don't know what they're talking about. Together, we're on a mission to bring you real talk and real advice from expert guests who will provide educational steps to building business success. No toxic positivity and no fluff. And if you sign up for our email list, which is linked in the description, we'll send you all of the actionable steps from this episode right to your inbox. So sit back, grab a notebook, and get ready to level up your business game with clever entrepreneurship beyond the boardroom. Hello and welcome to Clever Entrepreneurship Beyond the Boardroom. On this episode, we are going to be doing one of our fun banter episodes. So no experts today, just us talking about contract. Eva, you actually have a lot more experience in dealing with some of the crazy things that happen online around contract. Yes. So our guest who was on for our last episode, Garrett Murphy, he's a business lawyer. He talked to us a little bit about, you know, the LLC S corps, like kind of the organizational structures of business and how they could potentially protect or hurt you if it's not set up the right way, and why you should speak to a business lawyer when you are setting up your business. But he's also, he has so much good information that we're actually making a follow-up episode about contracts, as Laura said. So I wanted to point out some kind of common things that I see. Contracts are really like kind of a big point of contention for people because it can get kind of messy because there's so many things that people are people are kind of weird right like <laughs> people just do really weird stuff especially when you work in customer service or in a service-based profession which I think is probably most professions right like to some extent you yeah deal with people yeah like can't you can't that. escape them. I've tried. It didn't work. <laughs> so people are just a little bit odd sometimes. And I understand trying to or trying your best to avoid weird situations with them. Some people, they try to make their contracts cover all of the possible bases that could happen. And you'll always be surprised no matter how many clauses you have, that people are just going to find a way to make a new clause necessary for your contract. They find everything that absolutely annoys them and wants to put, they put it in a contract pretty much. So anything at all, <laughs> the child has a wrinkled shirt or they didn't smile enough, like you are not responsible for anything. You can kick them out. You can do whatever you want. And you just put it all into this contract that a lot of people have written themselves and they just try to make it sound legal by putting in a lot of fun words. Maybe a business lawyer would even write that contract for you because every time you add a clause and he's reviewing your contract or she, we're inclusive here, or they, <laughs> they're reviewing your contract, you are just putting money in their pocket. So that's a good point. I didn't think about it that way because I always think that people are just writing this. Well, yeah, a lot of times. Yeah. yeah, If you've got someone who just is interested in a dollar, like, hey, I want to put in a clause about wrinkled shirts. Like, okay, $500. I'll do whatever you ask. Yeah. And like, I don't know the legal aspect of like, if you put that in your contract, like, is is it going to hurt you? I mean, a lawyer would definitely know the answer to that question. But to me, I don't think it would hurt you to have that in there. But does it really help you? Yeah. It does it really protect you. Look, you can sue anybody over anything, but if it's dumb, if the judge deems it as absolutely ignoramus and not worthy of anyone's time, they're going to throw it out. Just because you sue somebody doesn't mean anything's ever going to come of that. You've just thrown money into getting the paperwork sent out to say, hey, I want to sue you over this. And it could absolutely go nowhere. So putting all these, if someone's really going to sue you over this, 
Like, you have other issues to deal with inside your business besides making sure everything is in your contract. Exactly. Like, think about the resources it's going to take you to pursue legal action or other action against this infringement. Is that the right word? Mm -hmm. So, like, if somebody comes, you know, five minutes late and your contract specifically says, if you're five minutes late to this meeting, then I have the right to leave. Is that going to hold up in court? And also, is that, like, not just a shitty thing to do? Don't you think, like, it comes to an aspect of, like, you have to have customer service if you are dealing with customers. If you want to put in your contract a five-minute time limit on how late somebody can be, that's kind of, like, not cool. Like, yeah. yeah. But five minutes is short, though. Well, I think, like, an hour, an hour and a half. Yeah. People would find that reasonable. Like, okay, well, I missed it, and now I don't get my deposit back, or whatever the repercussions of it are. But if you're over here with 5, 10, 15 minuting all of this, then you're just being nitpicky and it just feels like someone butthurt you. Like it feels like you don't really want to be there at that point. Mm -hmm. Like maybe maybe you should not be in that line of work where you are not able to accept and understand that sometimes things happen. Mm -hmm. Because the way that I've seen it phrased a lot is that when – like if you make an exception for one person, then you have to make an exception for everybody – And that's just like putting a huge blanket on the issue. It's not the fact that, oh, this person was 15 and a half minutes late, so I need to cancel them because what about the person who's, you know, 17 minutes late? Like I have to cancel both of them or it's not fair. Fairness and service, like it's really dependent on who you're working with, right? You got to be human first. Yeah. Like they're humans too. Just like you're inconvenienced for somebody running late to their appointment with you they also, you know, usually know that they're running late too. Like most people aren't trying to waste your time. So you can't treat everybody like they're trying to waste your time just because one or two people might have in the past. It's that us versus them mentality that really, I think, plays into why people put so much of this crazy stuff into their contracts is because it's all about, well, you do so many things to inconvenience me. Why should I work for you? Uh, being a few minutes late, the kid not being in the best of moods, someone having a wrinkled shirt. Yeah, that's human. I'm wearing a wrinkled shirt. <laughs> that's just human nature. And you have to have compassion and humanity for the people, your your customers. Like, they're people, you're people, you're going to be late to something. It's okay if they're a little bit late. You have to make some sorts of exceptions and not put everything in such a cold us versus them style mentality where you can't even see them as a person anymore. You just see them as a constant contract that's about to get broken. And then you can't really have a good connection with them. And people don't understand with business and small businesses, it's the connection. It's the experience they have with you, the friendship almost that yeah, you build with Yeah, it's why they them. choose you over other people. Yeah, like they enjoy working with you. They enjoy having you come and like with photography, take their picture. They love the way you interact with them as a family or a couple or interact with their children. And it's more than just the fact that you give them a product. It's the full experience. And so if they're constantly being bombarded with this this contract that they have 50 pages long and they got to read the whole thing, they've got every little thing they could possibly ever accidentally do wrong in it, then they're going to feel put like off by Walking on eggshells. Yeah. Like... Also, I don't know if I would feel comfortable signing a contract that's more than like one or two pages without like a lawyer there with me because what am I signing? Am I signing the deed of my house to you? It's a lot (laughs) for one-year-old pictures. It's it's too much for – there are certain situations you may go into 
for really high dollar amounts where you're dealing with big corporations yeah. and you need that legal protection. But it's also protection for them. Yes. That's, that's what a contract is supposed to do, right? It's supposed to protect you and your client or the person on the other side of the contract. But a lot of times I see contracts really working in favor of the person who, like in my field in photography, it's all these things that offend the photographer that they're not responsible for or they don't feel like dealing with. Do you know, I've actually had people come to me because I don't nitpick and do things like that. You could be the most talented photographer ever, like way better than me, so much better. But the quality of your photos is such a small part of why people work with you. It's your customer service and the experience that you provide that is going to make the difference and is going to be the reason people are willing to invest more with you. And that's in any industry, not just photography. I hate how I say photography. Like, for, I say photography. But I don't know. I don't know. I try. I don't mean to. Like, I'm not consciously saying fur, but I noticed it. Other photographers, see, they do it too. It's photography. 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 (laughs) The study of photons and uh, the photogs. I don't know. I I can't say that word. So I just know because people are picky online. One person's going to be like, why do you say photography? I am fine. Because you're human and you don't have a contract. (laughs) Yeah, we don't have a contract to how you have to say photography, okay? While we're talking about photography, I wanted to mention some examples that I see. I have one specific example that if you're watching on YouTube, Laura will link it. Um, like a picture of it on the screen, not link, but you know, it will be here. It will be, <laughs> wait, let me do the fancy thing. It'll be right here. <laughs> oh, now I have to put it in your hand. You're making my job yes. really hard. <laughs> so if you're not watching on YouTube, you're missing out because that would have looked really cool. Hopefully if she does it. Or really late. We'll or see. she'll put text to say, I didn't do that or something. <laughs> so this person said, and this is, um, is specifically a group that focuses on contracts and stuff for photography. So I see this a lot, trust me. This person said, I have a non-cooperation, in quotes, clause in my contract. This states that attitudes, emotions, and behaviors of children, by the way, I'm going to be reading this how I feel like she would say it out loud, because it's kind of (laughs) sassy. This states that the attitudes, emotions, and behaviors of children, spouses, or any participant is not my responsibility. She capitalized not, by the way. If the pictures pictures show them being mad, upset, walking away, that's what the client gets, period. I don't reshoot because your family can't behave. And then she put the little shruggy emoji. Emoji? Emoji. Yeah. And there's a bunch of love and like reacts on that comment. So Laura, <laughs> what do you think about um, if you're, if she you dealt if, with an angry husband, she, something, that's all something I happened. Yeah. Like that's what I think too. She has been burned, but I kind of, I kind of <laughs> want to see walking away. Why are you shooting that? If, <laughs> Why are you watch him walk away in shame. I like, know. Like, like. <laughs> if, if you were like a client, right? Like his, say you're looking for a photographer and you had an inside view into this group and you saw a professional photographer talking like that, right? They do this because it's a closed group and they feel more outspoken there, I'm sure. Like nobody's going to come for them there, right? Like it's all photographers. If you saw that as a client, what would you say? What would you think? Not say. What would you think? First of all, I'd probably skim over it because (laughs) it's a 30-page contract and I'm not reading every tiny little thing. Nobody does. Don't do that. Read contracts fully, yeah. sign them, 
after you read them. But when you start getting this nitpicky in a contract, people do skim because they assume that there's nothing in there that really applies to them because they're not planning on robbing you. Yeah, they're not like going in there with the intentions of um, having an attitude or their kids not getting a long enough nap and being cranky or walking away. Like you picture problem solve on the fly when you're working. That's that's what this is, is the inability to problem solve something. If you're in a photo shoot and I've worked adjacent to photography for a long time and worked with it just a little bit pre-college, people be mad. Children be upset, especially halfway through a shoot when mom wanted to do it at the beach in the middle of July. And the kid just wants to play in the water, doesn't want to have its pretty picture Have you ever, like, tried to go on vacation with, like, these great expectations of, like, how much fun your kids are going to have and how they're going to be like, gee, mom, gee, dad, this is (laughs) the most amazing vacation. Thank you so much. Like, that is never, never how it's going to work out. You're never going to hear a kid say gee. Yeah. Well, that too. (laughs) But you're also never going to... Like, you have these expectations for children, and that is mistake number one. Do not expect anything out of children because it's like they know, they can read your mind, and they're like, I'm going to do the opposite of that, which is fine because they're kids. But I cannot sign a contract and guarantee that it's not going to happen, and then you're going to hold me accountable if my child is a little cranky. Maybe they just need a minute. Like, sometimes I need a minute. And if if it was an adult, I bet that they would be willing to respect it more than if it was a child because it's expected of children to do that their children my perspective if you're in a photo shoot if you're in a situation that involves children and it's a professional situation and the child is acting up whatever it is whether they're a child model actor just a client you have to work on the fly with them they're kids even if they're adults even if it's a husband who's storming yeah. away because they got in a fight people men, get in fights yeah. men do not like to. pictures no, like they don't as some men do but they'll <laughs> still pretend that they don't because they're trying to be manly or something i've seen it happen and it's just it's like this weird phenomenon men don't like their pictures taken but you don't go in there and saying like like imagine saying this stuff out loud that's that's the thing imagine if you had a conversation about this and and the photographer was like if your child is a snotty brat i'm i'm done i'm leaving like that is you're breaking the contract But they put it in writing because they know that nobody's going to read a 30-page contract or even a five-page contract because you don't think, like Laura said, you don't think going in there, oh, they're going to, like, have all this stuff listed out that could possibly go wrong. This is very unprofessional. Just reschedule them. Yeah. Just, like, it's not not that big of a deal to just be like, hey, your kid really isn't feeling this. Why don't we just pick a different day? And also, if they do breach your contract, like the children are not cooperating, the pictures don't turn out how you know your client would like them to, isn't, like, if they sign the contract and they agree to this, like, that's not the photographer's problem, or it's not the service provider's problem, how my children act. But the pictures don't come out in, like, a professional standard and in a way that you can actually use them. What happens? Anything you put in your contract, you should be willing to go to court over. That's good. That's really good. Because no one's going to be willing to invest in a lawyer, especially when people write their own. And like they're not going to a lawyer and um, paying them $500 or whatever to put this in. It gets obvious because you have so much of this crap in there. A lawyer would probably tell you this ain't worth your time. Or when they try to write it in like legalese themselves. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's obvious. Like we see it, sis. We see you. What's going to happen is you're going to stand behind your contract. You're going to say, nope, I won't reshoot that. And you've just ruined your name. 
well, the yeah, even industry. if you're not willing to like, if, if they accept it, right. They're like, Oh, well, we did sign a contract, which I guess is their prerogative. Like they could just be like, Oh, you know, yeah, my kid sucks. Sorry. Yeah, people <laughs> will again. do that. Cause yeah, they get, they hear the word contract. They see their thing. Try, okay. Well, I just I think that's kind of what they're the banking on. Process over yeah. again and hire a different photographer. It's a scare who tactic. Isn't going to do that. Is your contract a scare tactic or is it actually legally binding? There's a difference. Think about if you are a baby photographer and you put in there that you're, you're not, doing not like a little baby photographer. <laughs> <in the camera. laughs> you are an infant watching YouTube <laughs> and are seeking out the profession in photography. This is for you. This one's for you, you little clever entrepreneur. <laughs> If, if you photograph babies and that's your whole thing and then you put in your closet, you won't reshoot if the baby is upset. Like you, you're kind of ruining your own industry, your own, your own chance in the yeah. industry because babies are going to poop on themselves during the photo shoot. They're probably going to poop on your props. Yep. They're going to get upset. They're going to scream. They're going to snot. They're going to vomit. And I'm these sorry, are things they're, like they're you gross. probably won't deal with with an adult. Probably. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. not. <laughs> but... The chances are always there. When you and photograph <laughs> weddings, there are chances. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Plenty uh, of chances for that. I've seen some stuff at weddings, especially nervous brides. It gets pretty, pretty uh, chaotic there. But like, so you're contracted to do a job. And if you don't do that job, what is your client going to do about it? They could do nothing. Or they could decide, I think I want to sue you because your contract is not going to hold up in court. It doesn't take like a very smart person to know that they could at least talk to a lawyer and figure out, hey, do I have a case here? Or at the very least, what do you think your reputation is going to be in the community after you turn a client away who's unhappy with their photos because their kid was just having a bad day? Sure, maybe other photographers or other people in your service industry would empathize with you, but are the general public going to be able to see your perspective? I mean, it just kind of sounds crappy. That is the biggest point of, of all of this is we aren't lawyers. We don't know if yeah. they'll hold up in court. We don't know if We're a judge would throw dudes. it out. Yeah. We're just sitting here with microphones with a little cat. <laughs> well, we don't know. But we do know how it makes you look. Yeah. We do know that being such a stickler for all of this that you won't even help reshoot when the child's having a crap day, you won't put forth that customer service and put that at the forefront of your business. The forefront of your business is you doing the least amount of work possible. And if you have this type of clause, it almost sounds like you're not even that great at your job because you don't know how to handle a situation yeah. when the baby's being Yeah, you, if you're working with children and you don't know what to do when a child acts like a child, maybe you might be in the wrong line of work. Yeah, you shouldn't be working. You'll be known as a photog- the child photographer who can't handle children. Yeah. Don't like, be that person. Your the, your clients who are children will need to go to like etiquette classes before they can work with you. Or at least I will feel like that as a parent of young children. I know they're not going to act right. I mean, you have a teenager and I mean, it's probably even worse. My child hates having her picture taken. Yeah. Imagine. She okay, has now teenage stink You try to get your teenager. You're like, oh, I booked family portraits for us. We're going to go to the beach and we're going to have so much fun. What is your daughter going to do during that portrait session? Yeah. There's something about like the fake smile. It's yeah. really bad when they're toddlers and they kind of grow out of it. And then when they turn teenagers, that terrible fake smile comes back. The one that's full like, force. does this make you happy, Yeah, it's like, hi, I'm smiling. <laughs> that comes back. You don't ever really get rid yeah. of it. And, and husbands do it too. Partners mm-hmm. do it too. They don't want to be there. You're going to get that fake smile. And 
But it's okay because your contract protects you and says, if there's fake smiles, I'm not responsible for that. But a good photographer makes people feel comfortable. Yeah. Because they know what a fake smile does to a picture. They go out of their way to make people feel comfortable. They go out of the way to give people time to calm down. Standing on where we are on this side of the camera can be daunting, especially if you're not very self-confident, if you don't know what to do with your hands, which nobody does. (laughs) I can tell you that like... A very, very small percentage of the people that I've worked with are like, I'm very comfortable in front of the camera. I know exactly what to do. There, you, you, It is your responsibility to pose your clients. Actually, this I saw another um, post today, which if I can find it, it'll go right here. <laughs> if I can or find it. Or it'll be a blank spot. But it was like this person posted a screenshot of somebody posting in no doubt a mom group or something on Facebook saying they were looking for, and I know we're using photography a lot, but it is a very wild field. So that's just what we picked just to pick. Yeah. Pitch at, it's so. just an example. I'm sure in your field, you can find one that it, you'll find that the problems are the same regardless, because we dabble in many industries and we see it in mm-hmm. every industry. So this person said it was a screenshot to humiliate this person and they block the names out, but it's just because they like to make fun of clients in this group, in most groups, honestly, photography related. They're very unprofessional, side note. But um, it was like, this person said something to the effect of, in search of a photographer, must be willing to let me pick my own photos and choose our own poses. And everybody in the comments was just dragging this anonymous, nameless person or saying, oh, I'm in that group too, or I'm from that area and just mocking her. And I said like, I'm sorry, but I don't understand what the problem is. She wants to see the photos that she's going to purchase and she wants to try to pose herself, which that could go wrong, that could be a disaster, but that's what you're there for. Like you're exactly. going to you're, you're going to be like, "Hey, of course we can do the pose that you want to do, but let's also do this my way." And you know, saying that in a manner of speaking, um, we'll do this my way because, you know, at least we'll have something else to work with. That is your responsibility, and you're also accommodating the request of your client, which is not a crazy request. It's not something to make fun of somebody over, but they'll pick anything because they feel threatened like somebody's trying to tell them how to do their job. And that's not the case at all. No. I, I mean, in my field, we get a lot of that where, like, they want, for you, they want to pose themselves. For me, they think they know how to design something. <laughs> so what I do and kind of how it would be handled in that situation is I do it. And then I also send them what it would look like if I didn't follow your instruction. Typically, they like the one that they didn't say <laughs> something about. And then they end up shutting up because they realize they're not designers. And they, they may appreciate, have had a cool idea, but it actually wasn't that yeah, good. And they appreciate the fact that you took that into consideration without making them feel stupid about mm-hmm. it. You don't sit there and go, ha, told you yours was going to suck. Like, yeah. there's no... Just get the job done. Just do your job. It is a place where you can reinforce the fact that you're the professional and they're not. So yes, let them pose themselves. And then after you've taken that shot, you'd be like, okay, what if we put your arm here and put your leg here and you two look like this and I'll come at this angle and then you take that shot and guess which one they're probably going to buy. And you know what? Even if they end up choosing the shot, the pose that's not your favorite, you don't need to be 
the deciding person of, oh, this pose sucks. If they love that photo that I think looks horrible, then I love that photo. I think it looks great. It's not going on your wall. It's yeah. going on their wall. So. All that matters is that they like it. Not everything you do in your job is going to be your favorite thing you've ever done. It's not all going in your portfolio. Don't hold that pressure for yourself because you will never meet that expectation. People can like things that you don't like and they're paying you money. So you keep your mouth shut about it and you just do the job that you're paid to do. That sounds rude, but like, honestly, you guys are kind of rude. <laughs> you're being kind of rude right now. You can control the situation and get out of it what you know professionally you can without being an asshole. That's the and key. And a lot of these things feel like just asshole moves because you approach this. You are not superior even if you're the professional. You are not the end-all top of the food chain in this transaction. They are paying you to be a professional, but you are on equal fields with them. You're not standing up here above them just telling them everything to do and they have to do it blindly. If they're like, hey, my kid don't feel good, you work with them. They're like, hey, I really want to do this pose. You work with them because y'all are in a joint contract together. And also, You have to fulfill your side while they fulfill their side. Right. It's not that one-sided as a lot of people want to make it seem. And also that is where you're going to run into problems if you treat it one-sided because that means there's no communication going on. So if you enter a contract and then you also communicate, which is another form of contract, not legally maybe, but you know, you're in accord with somebody. We see eye to eye on this because we've discussed this. So if you've been told, hey, like I really want to pick my own poses, then you now know like, okay, is this a good fit for me? Am I going to be able to work with somebody who wants to pick their own poses because I don't feel like they have a right to or whatever? That's your prerogative as a business owner to disallow that. But it's not, they're not doing anything offensive by saying what they would like. Just talk about it, communicate about it, avoid adding a million clauses to your contract by having verbal discussions to avoid the problems that could arise. You have to be able to communicate. There's so many professionals I run into all the time. They don't know how to talk about their business. They don't know how to talk to their clients. They don't know how to talk to their subcontractors or their contractors or their employees. They don't know how to have proper communication with the people that they're working with. And then they wonder why things aren't going the way they want, but they can't properly tell these people how to interact with them, what they expect, what they're willing to move around on, and they don't know how to ask questions. You have to ask a lot of questions when you're working with any client because they're not always going to know what to tell you. So if you can ask them the right questions, then you can get around a lot of this. Ask them, okay, well, when does the kid normally have its nap time? Oh, well, then maybe we shouldn't shoot during its nap time. That is a very valid and professional way to overcome that potential problem that could happen. You're thinking ahead, right? Now you've introduced the fact that you're interested in finding a solution with the person that you're talking to about the problem at hand. I have small contracts for big clients. Everything else is just, I'm very detailed. I have a full scope. I have a full timeline. I have the full price breakdown. It's sent in writing. The agreement is sent back in writing. Mm -hmm. There's a Details about what the deposit is, what it covers, is it, is it not refundable? I have it on there. Once you pay this deposit, that means you understand all of this. I don't have just a big contract they sit down and read and sign unless it's a very significant job that requires it. I mean, I sign NDAs, but I don't see the need for the rest of it. And a lot of that is because I'm just, I have lots of communication. I'm very thorough with my communication and I've never had an issue. When you meet with that person, Zoom or in person, whatever your field is, 
check in with the person that you're talking to. Make sure they understand what you guys are supposed to be doing together and that it's going to be done in a very like effective and smooth way without any conflict. Yeah. Don't automate yourself out yeah. of it. Like, yeah, absolutely not. There are a lot of people who will. They'll just, everything is set to where it auto sends the contract. It signs on DocuSign. They get a response and then it it's set up to auto send the next thing to them, the reminder email and stuff. And they've almost cut themselves out of it, which feels smart whenever you're running mm-hmm. a business and you have so much to do and that's just one less thing to do, but you can't automate yourself out of it. You still have to pick up the phone and call, which for some reason people hate to do, but I love picking up the phone and calling my clients because yeah. we get everything handled in a 10 minute phone call. That would have been 25 back and forth mm-hmm. emails. So don't cut yourself out. If, if you need to automate things, do that, but always make sure there's time for personal reaching out and talking to Yeah, you. you are the only part of your business that cannot be replaced by a machine. Mm-hmm. So you can do things and the machine can do things, but you guys kind of got to work together to make it actually effective <laughs> or else you're just a machine doing the same thing over and over again. No feelings, no empathy, no customer, like... Nobody's going to fall in love with your business or your service if they're actually just talking to the computer screen the whole time. Who likes talking to automated systems on the phone? Oh my gosh. Who? Who likes it? Nobody. Me, no. So don't become that. Don't become that automated press two and then press five and then it hangs up on you type of business setup. But build in, I think you should build in some minor automations to help push things along so that you're not having to click every button. But yeah, don't automate yourself out. Don't be like me where you don't automate anything because I'm chaotic good, but it doesn't mean I'm chaotic efficient. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just here. I'm just, uh, you know, trudging along. You were talking to me earlier today about um, how people will, especially in photography, I see this in my industry too, where you create this product and you want to use it as advertisement or put right. in a portfolio that's what brought it up in my head mm-hmm. it's where people will specifically request privacy so in like you were saying you sign ndas quite often like it's a very mm-hmm. normal thing in the industry but an nda it shouldn't be required if somebody asks for privacy because they didn't sign an nda or they say hey please don't use my photos or my materials that you've made for me on your social media, then you should respect their wishes. Your clients are paying you. They're not your walking billboards. You are not entitled to use your paying clients for advertisement. Just be understanding and respectful that you are not entitled to use your paying clients' work for your own gain because that is not what they're paying you for. They're paying you for the service that you provide. And you shouldn't need to sign an NDA in order to respect people's wishes. The reason why I have to sign a lot of NDAs is because I don't, I work with people, of course. I don't just work with robots, but I'm usually working with a company. And because I am a predominantly a branding person, I usually come in in the very early stages of a business before they even open their doors when they're still, sometimes I work with product prototypes because they haven't even finished developing the product yet. So when I come in, it's so early. If I was to start posting all this stuff on social media or telling everybody about this project I'm working on, a competitor could come in and steal the idea and put yeah. the product out earlier. It could ruin their business. I have NDAs that I had a lawyer draft because I know that there's always a possibility that even though I wouldn't post something, somebody asked me not to post 
it's maybe not always going to be enough to say, sure, I'll respect your wishes because there are people out there who won't. So I did take the liberty of having a lawyer make an NDA for my clients. And I have had a couple of clients take advantage of that, especially for boudoir. Mm. Boudoir is such a sensitive, what's the word, like vulnerable photography type or erotica. I did one erotica shoot and they didn't even ask for an NDA. But do you think I'm really going to go and post a photo from their session? So you don't have something to post to Instagram? Oh, well, people need to post eight times a day in order for the algorithm to like them. I don't care if the internet in the world thinks I don't have any work because I don't post Instagram. They can just think that. Like, I don't don't really care. And I think we have to stop caring about that stuff so much because then we violate people's privacy. Or we violate contracts. You're caring more about how you look on social media or whatever you're not willing to respect people's privacy for than you care about the person that you're actually working for. And it comes back to being a decent human to have communication. It can solve so many problems. People just approach things like they would want to be approached. The golden rule. how you want to be treated exactly didn't your mom teach you that (laughs) that's the whole episode just (laughs) that's it that's the tweet just treat people right it's not that hard something get upset at babies for crying something i would like to ask the viewers or anybody who's listening or watching um how do you handle contracts do you have like a lawyer drafted contract do you have a million clauses what do you do when you come across a situation that is unexpected because like we said at the beginning people are fucking weird they just be a little weird sometimes What do you do? How do you handle conflict? Because I think that is something that is a good discussion point. Because I posted this on my TikTok before. I said, you know, something about it's your responsibility to handle conflict with a customer or client. And one person came on my TikTok and said, absolutely not. I like things the way that I like them. And that's just the way that it is. And that's because I'm a specialist. Like I'm the expert in this field. Okay. Nobody's taking that expertise away from you. Like, there's just... Enjoy enjoy that life. Enjoy, enjoy that. Okay. The person who said that, they are known for that reputation. So if that's what you want to be known for, then I'm sure there will always be somebody who will work with you. But it's not going to be me, and it's not going to be people who think like us. Being knowledgeable doesn't give you the right to be an asshole. I mean, we see a lot of that. Like, it just doesn't. Someone will, there's a bigger chance of that client going to someone who's a tad bit less knowledgeable, mm-hmm. but a little bit friendlier, and decide that, that that's what they actually need. Just because you might be the expert, people don't know what that means. Yeah, they have no idea. They're what, not experts. Yeah. They don't know the difference between, that's a problem a lot of times, is they don't know the difference between an expert and an amateur, and they have to be shown what that yeah. looks like. You are valuing your place in their lives far too much. Exactly. <laughs> Beautiful. You are. Like, they don't know. They don't care. They want to be treated nicely and have a really well, yep. good job done, and they'll go to a person that does that before they go to the person that has branded themselves the asshole expert. That's why I said earlier, it doesn't matter how great your work is. If you can do work at a professional standard, or maybe even slightly lower, but your customer service and your communication is far superior to the Annie Leibovitz of photographers. Like, you are going to be booked. Mm-hmm. Booked out constantly. You can be great at what you do, but if you leave a bad taste in people's mouths, they're done. 
that they just don't want to deal with you anymore. There's too many options out there for people. There's a billion photographers. There's a billion creative directors. They can go somewhere else and they will if you treat them like crap or if they feel like they're going to be treated like crap because this contract is so absurd. And then you're going to be so in your own world and so self-inflated that you're going to blame saturation, market saturation on the reason why people (laughs) aren't coming to you. So when you use a contract, it's important to be concise and to get all the bases covered, if you run into a problem once, okay. If you run into a problem twice, I'm starting to notice a pattern here. If you run into a problem three times or even the second time, if you're smart, then maybe you might wanna consider addressing that problem that you keep seeing happen. So what can you do better to avoid that problem that you might have otherwise just put in a contract and hope went away? What are you going to do to change this? Because a lot of the times, problems that you're running into, you can take responsibility for that problem. If you're noticing, like we're talking about, the kids are cranky. Oh, well, you're shooting at their bedtime. Okay, let's figure out a solution to this. There's a pattern in everything that you want to put in a contract. Find the pattern and address it and figure out if it's something that can be fixed by communication or by some other way. Don't use your contract as a Band-Aid for your problems. Yeah, address the problems. Yes, it is still going to happen. You have to restructure the way you approach whatever's going on in the business. So what I had to do was a couple years ago, there was an issue of people not understanding my timeline. Instead of writing up this giant contract that talked over, well, I get two weeks past their last conversation doing this where I don't have to submit anything until that two weeks comes up and then you have 48 hours. People have contracts like this. Like you have to respond with revisions within 48 hours. I don't do that. But what I do do is... in the said do-do. Do-do. <laughs> in the beginning is I let them know. This is the approximate timeline. It's going to take us around four months to do that. Do you have four months? Good. It's going to take me about two weeks in between each revisions of my current schedule. Is that okay? Good. Then when it comes time, when we have our Zoom call to talk about our current revisions, I say, okay, it's going to take me about two weeks to get this back to you. The date for two weeks from today is this. Does that work for you? And it solved the problems. Communication solved the problem, what? and I didn't have to write a contract and throw it at their face and get them to sign it that they probably wouldn't read. I'd still have to have the conversation. They're still probably going to get upset because they didn't read the contract. Right. But finding what you said, finding where the problem lies in what I'm doing, not what yeah. they're doing, but what I'm doing wrong, fixing what I'm doing wrong, fix the problem that we were having, and I didn't need to put in the contract that for someone not to cry. Well, I approached it so that people wouldn't cry. And even if Ultimately, it is on the clients, right? Like say it's some, it genuinely isn't something that you're doing. It's still your responsibility to figure out how to avoid that situation in the first place. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. So you might think, oh, kid crying, how is that my fault? What's something you can do to avoid that situation? Something you can do to make it better. Maybe you need to take a childcare class or something. Something, do something to learn how to work with children if you don't know how to work with children, but you insist on working with children. And if you don't like children, don't work with children if you can help it. Yeah. It's a little privilege to say, but especially if, okay, if you're starting a business and you've decided that I'm going to photograph children, but I absolutely hate children, bad business idea. Yeah. There are a lot of ways around having obnoxious contracts, of feeling like you got to put everything in a contract. It does feel like all the stuff that you've kind of shown me leading up to us doing this episode and the stuff that um, we stopped and looked at while we took our breaks, so avoidable. Mm-hmm. 
And a lot of it felt like it was laziness. And pride. Laziness and pride. There we go. It's beautiful. Ego. Maybe ego is a better word. Ego, pride. Some I think it's, yeah, it kind of sits with both. Or even insecurity. Because ego yeah. and pride and insecurity can all look the same. And I think it's just a lack of savvy. Like, just because you have a camera and you make money taking pictures doesn't mean that you know how to operate a business. And that's kind of our whole purpose here. That's mm-hmm. what we're doing. A lot of business owners, entrepreneurs, we understand that, but there are a lot more entrepreneurs and business owners who do not. They don't understand that just because you're good at something doesn't mean your business is going to be successful. So if you feel like you have to put everything into a contract because you don't know how else to fix these problems, take a look at yourself. Yeah. And how are you talking to these clients beforehand? How are you communicating? How are you empathizing? How are you trying to problem solve before the problems start? That'll fix your problems, most of your problems. And you can have a very short contract that people don't feel overwhelmed by and don't feel put off by because you're really putting people off when they're reading this and they feel like you're just a judgmental asshole. At the end of every client you work with, the end of the business day, sit there and think, what did I do great today? And what could I have done better? You kind of got to evaluate What's going wrong? And what did I do to get here? And that's not like a bad thing. You're going to make mistakes. It's responsible. Taking personal responsibility. Even in situations where you did everything right. And it was out of your control. You can still take, as the business owner, Mm -hmm. take responsibility. Or empathize at the very least. That's what you can do. In situations where there's some sort of heat, they always go, you know what? You're right. Even if that person's completely wrong. And this is not just being manipulative. It's setting up the conversation. Because they think that they're right. Or else they wouldn't. They they don't mean it. They might be right about something. But when you start the communication or not with, you know what, you're right. Disarm them. It it disarms their anger. Mm -hmm. It doesn't disarm them because that sounds like you're throwing them off. Like you're about to gaslight them or something. It (laughs) disarms their anger and allows them to hear what you have to say next. It's like, wait a minute. What did you just say? Because a lot (laughs) of times they are right for being upset. Like they have a good, even if it's completely your control, you're right. You have a reason to be upset. I would be upset in the situation. How can we work together to fix it? Even if I didn't cause the problem, even if it was out of my control, I can help us fix this problem. Work as a team. It's not customer, business owner. You work as a team. You come together and you build a type of um, camaraderie between the two of you where if there is a problem, they feel like they can come to you. And be like, hey, something's off here. How do we fix this? As opposed to coming at you with a lawsuit. If it's gotten to the point where you're worried about getting sued every, every tiny little things and you're not communicating well if you're a part, your partner with your customer and you're not building that type of camaraderie with them where they feel like they can say something to you and y'all can problem solve and fix it together. Yeah, because it should never get to the point of being a lawsuit if you are having a good, honest, and empathetic relationship with the person that you're working with. Like they should never feel like, I can't come to you with this problem unless you start the relationship out with here's a 10 page contract and your kid better not sneeze at all during your photo. There may in your life be a situation where it can't be solved mm-hmm. amicably and you end up in court, mm-hmm. but you shouldn't be fearing about that all the time. You yeah. shouldn't feel the need to write such a contract out of fear of that all the time. That's where it feels like it falls apart. Not that it might just never happen and you should throw your contract out the door and just go riding down the street. You need to set it up so that you have yourself protected. And this great thing Garrett kind of goes over is how do we protect ourselves with our contracts without making them so obnoxious that we end up hurting ourselves. 
While we aim to provide you with practical and knowledgeable advice, it's important to do your own research and consult with a professional before making any decisions that could impact your business. The information we provide is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal, financial, or any other professional advice. And with that, we want to thank you for tuning in to Clever Entrepreneurship Beyond the Boardroom. Until next time, keep building and growing your business.